Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I can't remember how many weeks ago it was, but it was in the month of June, maybe Memorial Day. Yeah, I think it's Memorial Day weekend. We went out to Texas, and uh, me and my wife went to Texas and took one of our boys out there to a baseball pitching camp. And um, so I wasn't here that Sunday. But um, we went out there. They, uh, it's, it's this camp set up, and it's, it's really it's pretty impressive. But it's, it's pitching and nothing but pitching, nothing else. No hitting, no catching, no fielding, pitching. Everything's focused on pitching. These guys do a really, really good job. So um, they get you set up in there, and they have these cameras. These cameras are just pointing different directions. And then uh, after you throw some pitches, they go back on the cameras and watch you, and they, you see every body part and how it moves. And uh, they slow it down, and they can show you all your mistakes you're making. It's really, it's really pretty neat. I didn't know that much went into it. I mean, when I grew up, I thought you just ran back and threw it as hard as you could, and that was about it. But it's actually um, it's my favorite sport now. You actually have to be pretty smart to play baseball. I didn't know that. I just thought, you know, football, run fast, hit hard. That was my thing. But baseball's way, you, you've actually got to have somewhat of a brain to play baseball. I mean, really, football, you don't. You just run fast and rip people's heads off. And that's, you can be a goof, complete goofball. That's probably why I did that sport. But baseball, it, it, you got to do some, there's some thinking involved quite a bit, and especially if you're pitching and catching. And um, So uh, as they're kind of going through these things, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that much went into this, and this man spent a lifetime of, uh, of breaking all this down and trying to make it where people can understand it. And so, um, anyway, after they're doing these films, and you go in, and they show you uh, what you're doing wrong, and the thing is, is being connected. That was their thing. There's two words, disconnect and connect. And they show you all your disconnections, which are things that you're doing incorrectly. I mean, from the glove, the hand that the glove's on, the hand that the ball's in, to your toe, to your head, neck, everything in between. You talk about being connected. You want to be connected. You want everything to be connected. Basically, you want to be fluid. You want everything to be smooth. And um, they're showing you all your disconnections. And so after they show you all your disconnections, which is basically, I actually got the baseball book out and read it. Uh, they give you this book, and I, re- I refreshed myself on it um, last night. But um, disconnection is a body segment that works independently. So things aren't supposed to work independently. It's supposed to all work together and all be fluid. And when things start working independently, then you start hurting and aching and fatiguing, and you have pains and injuries. And that's why a lot of people that probably have the ability or the athleticism to potentially uh, play college, you know, baseball at a college level, never make it because of these disconnects. And they end up just taking a job doing something else. But it was there, just nobody was there to teach them correctly. 
So that's what we're uh, going for is to learn how to do things correctly. But you start seeing like the upper body doing the work, more work than it's supposed to. And man, it's just, it's just complicated. I can't even explain it to you. But I mean, just letting go a little too soon or, or hanging on a little too long or uh, shoulder this way, elbow, knees, feet. I mean, it's just tons of it, tons of stuff goes into it. But when you do it incorrectly, when you have a disconnect, in the book there, I wrote it down, it says stress, you'll cause stress on different body parts. And after, you know, there's pain and fatigue and then injury. And so when you're stressing parts, you're not going to do, you're not going to perform as well. And when you're fatigued, you're not going to be able to pitch as long in the game because your body's going to fatigue. And uh, pain, well, pain's your body's way of saying, hey, hey, stop. Don't do that. That's what it's telling you. And um, then there comes injury, and then if you're injured, obviously you, you're, you're done. And so um, the thing they were teaching us was to stay connected. And once again in the book, it, I just wrote it down word for word what the man wrote down. He said connection. What connection is is keys to health and durability. So when you stay connected, he's wanting to connect you, and the connection is, that's the key to health and durability. You can't perform unless you're healthy. And the durability, that's, that's pretty much self-explanatory as well. Amen? So what they gave us was tools. Tools to connect with. He said, here's your tools. And they would have a ball or uh, this thing called a club, and I know that sounds silly, why well, you need a club playing baseball, but anyway, that doesn't matter. There's a reason behind it. But they gave us these different tools to take home and to use and all these different drills to go through. And uh, the drills and the tools were used to get you connected so you won't be disconnected. Amen? So as I'm sitting there listening to this man go over all these things, I'm thinking, I just thought I was skipping church today. I'm actually getting a good sermon right here by all the things he's saying. And then he, he went on and uh, afterwards we talked. I asked him if he was a Christian and he said, absolutely. I said, have you ever thought about preaching? And he said, well, my son told me I'd make a really good preacher. And I said, well, I'd have to agree with him. I think you just preached a sermon. Anyway, we talked a little bit. and um, So um, the thing he was talking about was connecting. He's talking to the boys, and then this is where we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and get started in the Scripture here. But uh, he told them that it was important what you consume. What you consume is very important. And, uh, of course, my, my ear, you know, I perked up when he, when he started talking about that. He said it's important what you eat, and it's important what you listen to. It's important what you look at. It's important who you hang out with. And if you want to be uh, at this other level that we're talking about getting you at, not just your average uh, park ball player or average high school player, but if you want to perform and you want to be connected, he's like, it's important what you consume. You can't eat what everybody else is eating. And you can't listen to what everybody else is listening to. And you can't look at what everybody else is looking at. And a lot of times when everybody's going to hang out, you know, or whatever, after the game and stay out half the night, he's like, you can't do that. You've got to go home. You've got to get in the bed. And you've got to rest. And uh, he was talking about what you consume. What you consume is either going to support you 
or it's going to constrain you. What you, can, what you consume either supports you or constrains you. So like I said, when, he, when he's talking about these things, I'm like, this is a sermon right here. This is, this is pretty good stuff. I'm digging this. So in Matthew, the, the 15th chapter, and I can't read all this just for the sake of time. Um, and it'd help if I got in the right chapter, wouldn't it? In Matthew, the 15th chapter, in the uh, second verse, and what's happening here is the, the religious people, the Pharisees, the scribes, they're always, you know, starting some trouble and trying to find fault with everything Jesus does. And they come up to him. They had seen uh, his disciples eating and they didn't wash their hands first. And they're like, oh, that's just, you know, the worst thing ever, you know. Here's some uh, hand sanitizer. Give me a squirt. But he says, why, they said, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat the bread. And Jesus answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions? And what had happened is they had put the traditions of man above the commandments. And Jesus says, said, well, you know, he, you have to go and read the chapter there. I'm, I'm going to jump on down to the 11th verse for the sake of time here. But he says, it's not what goes into the man, uh, mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. And then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And Jesus answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has planted, will, uh, has not planted, will be uprooted. In other words, he didn't put them in that position. He, he, didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't put them, the, say, Hey, you're the religious leader. They put themselves there. And they're putting their uh, traditions, their traditions, man-made traditions above the commandments. He says, just leave them alone for they are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, they're all going to fall in the ditch. And you could take that right there and make a big sermon out of it. But you don't have to get up and point out when somebody's doing things wrong. I don't have to stand up here and point out when I think another preacher or denomination or some TV preacher is doing things wrong. I'm not going to waste my time doing that. Hey, if he's wrong, guess what? He's going to end up in the ditch. That's, that's not my job to steer him off in the ditch. Are you following me? But anyway, he says, leave them alone. They're blind leading the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, they're both going to fall in the ditch. And Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus says, Are you also still without understanding? You still don't get it? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and it's eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and that's what defiles a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So Jesus just takes it, makes it real simple, and it's a, it's a you know, not the greatest illustration that I'm going to try to give you here, but, you know, he's saying that what you put into your mouth with these dirty hands, that's not what defiles you because you're going to eat it, you're going to chew it up, you're going to swallow it, and then guess what? It's going to go on somewhere else. <laughs> yes. But he said, that's not what defiles the man, but it's what comes out of your mouth, but not what goes into your mouth. And so, 
Um, going back to what you eat and, and, and what goes into you and how important the things that go into you are, um, in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter and the 17th verse, can you pull that up? Faster. We need more velocity. Okay. Anyway, it says to, to, to come out from among them and be ye separate. Don't be the same. You can't eat what they're eating. You can't drink what they're drinking. You can't listen to what they're listening to. You can't hang out with who they're hanging out with. You've got to come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean and I'll receive you. And you can take it down now. But to come out from among them, you've got to be different. If you do the same thing they're doing, you're just going to be the same old average park ball player. But you've got to do something different here. They've got these disconnections. We're trying to get you connected. And that's what this coach is teaching them. And I, I, like I said, I was impressed. And a friend of mine texted me, or actually it was Austin. He's a friend of mine. He's a, he's a friend of yours too. And um, he texted me a scripture this morning. It was in Romans, the 12th chapter, the 2nd verse, about not being conformed to the... Uh, to this world, to the things that this world's doing, to what they're eating, what they're drinking, what they're listening to, and the things that are taking place, but to be transformed. How, do you, how can you be transformed? Your mind's got to be renewed, and your mind is renewed with the Word of God. That's where it's going to take place. So bad habits, or you've been eating this, or drinking this, or consuming this, well, there's got to be, we've got to turn it around. We've got to put something else into us. Because... What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth is what defiles a man. That's what Jesus is, is saying there. So it's important that um, you, you need to write these scriptures down and, 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 and keep up with them, and, and it'll all come together, hopefully, and you'll um, get something out of it here. But what, what goes into you, the importance of what goes into you, Proverbs, the fourth chapter, and the twenty. Third verse says to guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart is what springs forth the issues of life. That's why you've got to guard your heart with all diligence. You've got to guard it. You can't let your guard down. You can't walk away for a minute. You can't get uh, complacent and, and, and leave your gun in the car because you've been going into the bad part of town for all these years and you've had your gun but nobody's ever messed with you. But today, I think since, since nobody's ever tried to attack me or rob me in the past 10 years, everything's been, I'll just leave the gun in the car. And then that's what you call getting complacent. And then you go in and the next thing you know, now you're being robbed. Boy, I wish I had my gun. You've got to guard your heart the same way. You can't get comfortable. You can't say, well, things have been going pretty good for a while, so I don't need church, or I don't need prayer, or I don't need praise and worship, I don't need the Word of God. You've got to guard your heart. I've been doing pretty good. I can just watch this film here. It doesn't have that many bad um, uh, uh, things in it. What am I trying to say? Um, scenes. It don't have that many bad scenes, just a few. Well, what if your mama mixed up some brownies and she just put a couple dog nuggets in there? Well, it's just a few. You probably really wouldn't even notice. True story. Probably wouldn't even notice, but they're in there. Well, the same thing. You wouldn't want to eat them, would you? Well, 
that'd be just nasty. That's why it's important. What's going into your heart is so important. It's so important. Why? Because out of your heart flows, it flows out of your mouth. And you, there's a few scriptures that, that, that talk about this, but Luke, the 6th chapter and the 45th verse is, is one of those. Um, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So when we're talking about putting these things in, you can understand from a natural level what you eat is going to be important because of your diet and you don't need to have a bunch of junk food as an athlete to perform or if you just want to be in shape. It's important uh, what you put in there and what you listen to. If you're listening to a bunch of trashy music and cursing and all types of junk like that, it's just not good to put that in you. Um, um, what you um, watch with your eyeballs, uh, those things aren't good as well. But look at it from a natural, I mean, that's a natural standpoint, but look at it from a spiritual. It's the same thing. What you're putting, you're, you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. But when you're, and some of, I say you don't even realize it. A lot of people do. You do, and that's good. But you may not realize it. That's what I should have said. But when you're listening to certain songs or listening to certain people speak or you're watching certain things on the television, you're, you know what you're doing? You're eating. You're, you're putting that into your heart. You're putting those things into your heart. And guess what happens? The abundance, what's in your heart, it comes out of your mouth. So really, you're, you're, feeding, on, uh, you're, you're feeding on bad things. That's why it's important to guard your heart. Don't let those things in there. It's got to be a filter, like a fuel filter, catching all the trash. We don't want the trash running through our uh, carburetor or through our fuel injection. Or you don't want to take the oil filter off and just cap it. You need something to filter the junk. Amen? I hope you men understand that, and some of you women do. You know, sometimes you look at your fuel filter and it's got some little pieces of trash in there. And sometimes it's got even some water in it. You can see it. It's doing its job. It filtered it. It didn't let it get into the heart. And you and I are in charge of our hearts. God doesn't filter your heart. You can look at anything you want to. It's free will. You can watch any trash you want, or you can listen to good things. You can look at good things. It's just a choice. Amen? Y'all with me? So when, you, when you're putting this junk in you, what the coach was saying is these are things that are going to keep you disconnected. It's not going to help you connect. It's going to help you disconnect. And Satan wants to keep you disconnected. He doesn't want you to be connected to the vine. Jesus went to a cross and died so that you and me and all of us, all of humanity could be connected because guess what? There was a disconnection when Adam and Eve sinned there was a separation, a disconnection from God. And Jesus came and hung on the cross, and after He hangs on the cross and the work's complete, whoosh, the veil that's six inches thick is torn, and now there's nothing separating you from the love of God. Amen. So that we could be connected, but at the end of the day, it's still your choice. You don't have to be. You can say, nah, it's okay. I'll just keep doing the same old, same old, and keep on, and... You know, I'm, I'm happy with just being an average old high school player and, and I've been getting along just fine by being disconnected and, 
and uh, it's, it's a choice whether you want to get connected or not. And so in John, the 15th chapter, and the, um, I think it was around the fourth verse, John 15 in the fourth verse, boom, there you go. She's, she's, she got that velocity up. So that's why you go out there because you want to get your velo up, your speed, and you want to throw strikes and not balls, and you uh, want to you want to own the mound, so to speak. And there's things that are preventing you from throwing faster and harder, and um, and it's the things that we're discussing here is the things that cause a disconnect. And he's wanting to get you connected, and so. Here in John, the 15th chapter, in the fourth verse, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And you see there, he's the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask me whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. And I think that's all I had up there, but he's saying, you've got to be connected. You've got to be connected. You've got to be connected to me. You've got to stay connected. Well, that's easy for me to say, you just got to be connected, guys. Grandma, time for you to get connected. <laughs> but there's many people listening to the sound of my voice that say, well, that sounds good. I would like to be connected, but I don't know how to be connected. I mean, you make it sound simple, just stay connected to the vine. Okay, well, but I don't know how. Well, we were disconnected when we went to Texas, but you know what? They told us how. They said, here's the tools, and you're going to have to apply these tools and apply, apply this training program to get connected. And see, even when you're disconnected, uh, you're really connected. You're just connected to the wrong thing. So when you say, we're disconnected from the vine, well, you're connected to something else. Another vine, but it's not his vine connected to worldly things. That's why we read the Scriptures. Come out from among them. Be separate. You can't be the same as the world. You can't think like the world. You can't be conformed to the patterns of the world, but He's called you out to be separate. You have your mind renewed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in the Word of God. Get in here. Find out who you are, what your inheritance is, what He did for you, what belongs to you. That's your work. You have to actually do some work. So how can we be... How can we get connected? How can we get connected? How do we stay connected? Well, um, church. I just wrote down the word church and tools because he gave us tools out there at the camp. And so here, when you come to church, um, there's tools. There's tools that you get. Satan doesn't want you to come to church. Lots of reasons, but let me just go through a few right here. I've, I've got four things that I wrote down, and um, and we'll just 
uh, go through there, those, but there's things that are available to you here at the church. It's good to come to church. It's good to, to be here amongst other believers and to hear the Word. And It's, a, it's, it's an ex, excellent starting point for sure to get connected and to stay connected. Praise the Lord. So the first one is to hear the Word. Romans 10 and 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when you come to church, you're going to hear the Word. You're going to hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now I have been to some churches, not many. Really, I can only think of one as a matter of fact. But I went to one and I really didn't hear the Word. I heard like a motivational speech and things of that nature. And at the end of the sermon, it was like, just like a real quick uh, uh, verse and prayed. And I don't even think they prayed the name of Jesus, but they're just like, just yeah, it was not good. It was, it was, it was not good at all. And uh, huge, huge, huge mega church. They had classrooms there that are as big as, nearby as big as this sanctuary. And they had a class for every grade, like 1 through 12. Huge church. It was in another state. And, and I thought, man, i got to go see what, what they got going on over there. Just, just out of curiosity, like, just check it out. So I go over there, and it, it, was, it was very disappointed. Very disappointed. Um, but it was a great motivational speech. But the same speech could have been used on a whole group of atheists. You could just left that verse out there, and it wouldn't have been any different. So let me say this. When you come here, you're going to hear the Word. We're a word-based church. I'm going to preach the word. If it hurts feelings, it's not me hurting your feelings. It's the word. I don't leave any of the word out. I'm not going to dodge any scriptures that talks about things that might uh, uh, crush your toes. Not just step on them, but just smash them. I, but I don't do it intentionally. But I just say, I'm going to preach the whole word. And I believe the whole word. And I believe all of it, front to back. Don't take anything out. Don't add anything to it. Believe it all. And I do my absolute best to back up what I preach with Scripture. That's why I give you a lot of Scripture. You can see that it's the Word of God, not Red's opinion. Amen? But you're going to come here to hear the Word. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So people say, I've got great faith. Well, you don't have faith unless you hear the Word. Because faith is what, what uh, the Word is what gives you faith. And then we have faith in the Word of God. Pra praise the Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why it's something you need to constantly put in you. It's not just eat one time. Oh, I've got great faith and I never need it again. It's just no different than eating a steak. It was good and I'll eat another one. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all don't like steak? Amen. <laughs> Is this a Presbyterian church? Y'all can y'all can y'all can say amen every now and then. But hear the word of God, and we come here to hear the word. I hope you come to expecting to hear the word of God every Sunday. We preach the word of God, and when you hear the word of God, your faith is being built, you're being encouraged, and things are revealed to you in the word of God. In other words, you come in sometimes with questions, and the word of God will give you the answer. Amen. amen. That's why I'm not a big fan of, of uh, people coming up and telling me uh, all these things about themselves or about other people because a lot of times we're preaching the Word of God and the answer that they need comes from the Word of God without even telling me anything about themselves. And then they get this revelation 
And it doesn't mean the same to you if, it, if I preach it after you've told me all your dirt. It doesn't, because then you think, well, he just preached that because I told him. And the Word of God will reveal some things to you. It'll open your eyes. It's, you'll understand the truth. And it's not, it's not the truth that sets you free, but it's knowing the truth. And it's through the Word of God that you're going to learn the truth. Amen? So you come here to church to hear the Word of God. That's one reason, to hear the Word of God. Um, which is the most important. The most important. The most important thing that there is on planet Earth is the Word of God. Praying's important. Praise and worship's important. Giving, tithings, offerings. Doing lots of all kinds of things are important. That's all good. Nothing's more important than the Word of God. You've got to have the Word of God because you're not going to know what to put your faith in. How do you know what to put your faith in? How do you even know what belongs to you? What would you stand on? You stand on the Word. We put our faith in the Word. We confess the Word. We put the Word in our heart so that it comes out of our mouth. When hard times come, instead of uh, cussing a blue streak, we just speak the Word. I mean, you can get a bill in the mail. Knowing good and well, you don't have the money to pay for it. And you can open it up and you can say, that's okay. I'm a tither. I know what the Word of God says. I know what it says. I'm going to stand on that. I know what the Word of God says. It says that my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Not according to my checking account. And not according to how the situation looks. But I'm just going to stand on the Word. Or you could say, I don't know what in the world we're going to do and cuss and kick and go pawn something. <laughs> but see, if you don't know any Word, what would you stand on? Like you don't know any. That's why it's important to know it, to get it. That's why it's important to be here and to hear the Word. And not just here, but you can open that Bible up the other six days of the week and, and read, read it. And when you're reading it, you're hearing the Word. It's going in you. Y'all with me? Okay. Another thing here at church that's available to you, praise and worship. There's so many scriptures that back this up about the importance of praise and worship. I mean tons Google it. I can't even narrow it down. But in Psalms, the 100th Psalm, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. That's you and me. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. With singing. Know that the Lord, He is good. It's He who made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Back up to the fourth verse. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. We came in here this morning, we're entering into the gates. Entering into the presence of God, that's why we came. Is I think that's one thing that we all have in common is we came to connect, didn't we? I don't think you came to church because, you know, just thought you'd be a cool place to hang out today. I would hope that everybody here came with, hope, with some type of hope to connect with God in some shape, form, or fashion, 
to connect with Him in some way. So we're coming here to connect. We're entering into this building in one accord into His courts with praise and be thankful to Him and bless His name. There's so many scriptures that talks about lifting up holy hands, raising hands. Uh, when you're raising hand, you're, 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 you know, there's a word that people say all the time, and you can take scripture down now. They, they'll say, let's go out and, or they went out this weekend and raised hell. Well, what that means is you just went and partied, or you, you, just, you just, you know, drove real fast, or acted crazy or done some of those things like that. But that's really not a good thing to say because I don't think that if you're, um, if you're just out having a good time, I mean, uh, let me think of a good example here. So uh, me and Matt, Andy, and Scott, we've been in the woods together before. We went out riding and, uh, and, and climbing some hills and just acting a little crazy, right? So some, somebody may could stand back and watch and go, He's raising some H-E-double hockey sticks. Really, I'm not, or they're not. We're just mashing the gas. I got nothing to do with hell. You know, it's just a stupid, it's just a, it's just a poor expression. But, but let me tell you what, what it really means, well, what's really going on. When we're coming in here to praise and worship, and you raise your hand, that's raising up heaven, lifting up heaven, raising heaven. That's what you're supposed to do. Raise some heaven. I'm raising. I'm lifting my hands. And um, you ought to try it sometimes. People don't take praise and worship serious. You think, well, they're just singing some songs. They're singing songs, not we. But they're just singing some songs and... Oh, you know, I have to stand there for 20 minutes while they sing these songs. I'd just rather skip that and get straight to the meat and taters and get to the Word. And I understand, you know, forget the salad, bring me the steak, let's get the ball rolling here. But praise and worship is very important. There's a hundred scriptures or more that back it up in the Word of God about how important praise and worship is. And when I say lift up your hand, uh, I remember when I was younger, and there's like something in me. Like when I very first started serving the Lord and praying and reading and, and just hungry for Him and chasing after Him, and there was just something in me. It's hard to explain, but it's like I just wanted to raise my hand. But then I would think, you know, who's behind me? Who's beside me? And what are they going to think about me raising my hand because I'm supposed to be cool and, you know, I'm, I like to think of myself as tough, but... I raise my hand, my cool is going to go down, my cool level, and they're going to think I'm a sissy and all that stuff. But you're a lot tougher with your hand raised and a whole lot cooler. It's who, 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 determined who, who, determined how, who determines the coolness anyway? I think God thinks you're a lot cooler. But as time went by, you know, it's just something in me. I just want to raise my hand. It's hard to explain. It's just a feeling. Sometimes I feel like I just want to get come to the altar, and I've, I've done that, and some of you have as well, just to come and get on your knees and lift your hands and praise the Lord. And you don't have to be here. You could do it at home. But it's just a process and time, and before long, man, you don't care who's around you, who's beside you, who's anywhere near you. You, you just raise up your hand. And it's important to... It's not just songs. 
We're praising God, praising Him. I think He's worthy of it, isn't He? To come in here and give you some thanks. Jesus hung on the cross and died for you, and I can't stand here for 15 minutes and sing some songs. See, here, here's the thing is, uh, is there's, I mean, I, over the years I've heard so many things from songs are too slow, too fast, sing too long. It's not the kind of songs I heard when I grew up. I'd rather have hymns. I don't like hymns. Uh, they're goodness. I mean, I've heard it all. I've heard it, everything. Well, you can sit here and find, I could find a whole bunch of excuses why. I mean, I don't just, in, I don't like have every song that we sing on a playlist at home and just listen to them because I just, that's my favorite song. But it's somebody's favorite song. And that song's ministering to somebody. Just like this sermon's ministering to somebody and to somebody you're already bored and ready to leave. But I'm saying it's ministering to somebody. So just, so chill out, I know it wasn't in the hymn book, or it's not your favorite, but at the end of the day, look at the words. What are the words saying? We're, we're praising you. We're giving you thanks. We're worshiping you. You deserve it. So if you don't take it serious, I encourage you to take it serious. Take it serious. Close your eyes. Forget who's around you. Uh, just let, let, those, let those songs minister to you. The song will minister to you. A song can change your life. A song can give you a revelation. Yeah, sure can. A song can get you out of prison. Look in Acts, the 16th chapter. Paul and Silas, they're in prison. Acts 16 and maybe the 25th verse. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were prisoners. They were in prison. They got thrown in prison. But at midnight... Instead of saying, oh, what are we going to do? I'm innocent. I shouldn't have got thrown in here. Wah, wah, wah. They're singing praises. They're singing praise and worship. I wonder if it was everybody's favorite song. But anyway, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone with chains were loosed. It wasn't after a great sermon. Nobody came in there and laid hands on anybody. They didn't take up an offering. None of those things. They were in prison and at midnight they started singing, praising. They started worshiping God with their voices out loud, singing praises. And then there was an earthquake. The prison doors were open. Guess what happened? The, the, the prison guard was fixing to commit suicide because that would have been a lot better than what they would have uh, done to him you know, if they'd have... He, they thought he let everybody go under his watch. So committing suicide would have been better than what they'd have done to him. And Paul and Silas said, ho, 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 no, no, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. Next thing you know, what happens to prison, the prison guard? He's wanting to get saved. Tell me what I've got to do. But it all came from what? Praising and worshiping with their voices and singing hymns. And you don't think Paul was tough? He was a bad man pajama. He got left for dead many times. I mean, I'm telling you, he was tough. He was tough. And this tough dude singing hymns, praising the Lord. And a lot of times you feel like you're in prison. Maybe you need to sing. Maybe you need to praise. Praise God. And see if the prison doors, your prison doors don't get open, if you don't get set free. Amen? Prayer. 
Prayer is another thing here at church and also something you need to do on your own, but nothing happens without prayer. And there are so many uh, scriptures on prayer and there and that down. That's impossible. But I have one on here in Philippians, the fourth chapter. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So back it up to the back up to the six. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And that goes back to what I was saying about you get the bill in the mail or if something happens. Instead of being anxious, no matter what it is, because it says be anxious for nothing. And some scriptures say be careful for nothing. So I like to take that out of text when people say. Be careful. And I said, oh, the Bible says be careful for nothing. And they'll say, it's okay to go out and act crazy. But anyway, get back on track. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried for nothing. Be stressed and anxious and all in a tizzy over for nothing. But rather than do that, everything by prayer and supplication. That means when, when things go awry or things get crazy or the bill comes in or the bad doctor's report or whatever it is, don't be anxious, but be in prayer and be in supplication. Pray. Stand on the Word of God. Things are impossible with man, but nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And there's one thing, I, I know I reference my grandmother often, but, you know, I've, she's taught me a lot, but she said from a, a young boy, nothing happens without prayer. No, pray. Pray. Don't just sit on the couch and Say, so, well, you know, I wish I had a job. Well, pray for one. And then go put in some applications. I mean, you sure don't need to pray for a job and sit on the couch and think that outbound power company's going to knock on the door and go, hey, y'all just in the area. I was just wondering, would you like a job? You have to put an application in. Pray they'll hire you. Or wherever it is. I just use those for an example. Pray they'll hire you. Pray. Pray. Pray that God will open your eyes and show you what to do. Pray that He'll give you the words to share with your co-worker. Pray that He'll show you how not to be a deadbeat, but to be a good dad or a good, a good husband, a godly one, to show you. Pray. Pray, God, help me. Pray. Nothing happens without prayer. So you say, well, I don't know how to pray. Good news. Good news. You can come here on Saturday mornings and Mark over here and, and, and some of the others uh, have uh, uh, started this a couple months ago, and they they there's a meeting here, and everybody's welcome. And if you don't, if you say I don't know how to pray, you can learn. You can learn, but it's actually very simple. You can just drive down the road on your way to work and start talking to God just the same way as you just talked to me. Just talk to Him. He's your friend. He's your father. Talk to Him like He's your best friend. Talk to Him like He's your father. And some people can't talk to your father. I understand. Because some people may have fathers who don't want to listen to shut up and backhand you and slap you. But talk to him like he's the father you've always dreamed of having. Talk to him like that father. I don't have that problem. Problem. I can talk to my dad about anything I want to. But I know some people, maybe you never had a dad. Or maybe your dad's just a jerk. Um, I get that. But your heavenly father, he's not a jerk. He wants to help you. He wants to hear what you've got to say. Pray to Him. 
Talk, talk to him. Talk to him. Just talk to him. Amen. And it definitely doesn't have to be just here on a Saturday morning. I grew up and I'd always call, hey, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? I've asked a few people to pray for me these last few days because I haven't felt the greatest. But one thing I learned is I can pray. Like when I was a young man growing up, I didn't pray. I never prayed. I just called. And I don't have someone else pray for me. Hey, will y'all pray for me? Y'all pray for me? I'm not sure why I didn't pray, to be honest with you. Looking back on it, I guess I just thought that God wasn't going to answer my prayers because I was some kind of goofball. And that he would answer their prayers because they were righteous and I wasn't. But that's not true at all. He would have heard me just the same. Um, I just believed a lie, a lie of the enemy. So you can pray. You can pray and you should pray. You should talk to God. Talk to Him. Cut the radio off. On the way to work, you don't always have to listen to talk radio or lit. just cut it off. Some quiet time. And talk to God. Talk to Him. Tell Him. Tell Him how you feel. Tell Him what you're going through. Tell Him. Tell Him. He wants to hear it. He wants to lead you and He wants to guide you and He wants to reach out and pull you out of the, the pit that you're currently in. You just got to talk to Him. Amen? Now I've got to move on or we'll um, last point here. But um, Another thing we have here, and some people call it Sunday school, and it's, it's, it's similar to Sunday school, but it's called Common Grounds. We have men's group. We have women's group. Men's group and women's group are usually during the week and do semesters and sometimes meet together on the weekends. But the common grounds, they meet every Sunday morning, and it's at 9.30. And the reason we named it common ground is because you're not the only one that's going through what you're going through. There's somebody in there that's either currently going through it or they've already been through it. And it's good to meet a godly man or a godly woman who's already been through it and they can encourage you. Because if you've been through something or if I've been through something, why would I want to keep it to myself when I can use my experiences to help someone else out? That's what you're supposed to do, to help them out. And so you get into common grounds and you find out, hey, there's some common grounds here. I'm not the only one. And you make friends. And I see people talking out in the foyer and things of that nature, and that's, that's good, but the common grounds um, and the men's group and even the prayer group, that's just a good time to meet people, to meet people and new friends. I mean, I love all of y'all, but I can't be like a really close good buddy to everybody here because there's just one to me and there's only 24 hours in the day and I just can't go hang out and eat lunch, talk on the phone and do all that with everybody here. And the fact of the matter is, uh, you and me, we may go to lunch and have a hard time finding something to talk about because what interests me doesn't interest you. I mean, you might be into like uh, crocheting or something. And I'm just not into that. And, uh, you know, but there's probably somebody here that is. Man, y'all hit it off real good. Y'all could trade yarn and all kind of stuff. But in uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 
and the 23rd verse, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, uh, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And this is, this is I was building up to get to this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching, in other words, every day we're getting closer to the end. Jesus is coming back. The eastern sky will be splitting. And every day we get closer. We're not getting further away. We're getting closer. It's approaching. So how much more should we be doing this now? Assembling ourselves together. Not to forsake the assembling together of the body of Christ. In other words, don't take church lightly. Don't say, ah, you know, no big deal, it's just church. I can be a good Christian and stay at home. You can be a Christian at home, but you can't be a good Christian at home. You need to assemble together with the body of Christ. There's this corporate anointing when you gather together and everybody's raising their voices. If you go to war, do you want to go by yourself or do you take the army with you? If you're, if you're sick and you're in the hospital, do you just want one person praying for you or do you want the whole body of Christ right here that knows you personally and loves you do you want them all praying for you? Yeah, of course you do. Praise the Lord. You, you can take the scripture down now. Satan doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you to be close. Think about this. The whole COVID thing. Don't get close. Don't touch. No meetings. No gathering together. Separate yourself. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just a terrible thing. An attack of the enemy. There's more to it than just the sickness. I mean, the sickness alone was horrible. It's horrible. But the other part that goes with it, where you can't be close to your family, and you can't be close to your loved ones, and the whole family can't come over for the 4th of July. You can't gather together in a church building. Have you ever noticed, not even thinking about the Bible, not even thinking about the Word of God, not even thinking about gathering together here to, to worship Him, serve Him, or to listen to the Word. But aside from that, you gather together to do all types of things. It's just something that God put in you. He made us. He designed us for closeness. Like we, we invite the family over to eat. We go to the ball game together. We have a family reunion, not virtual. Everybody doesn't stay at home on their phones and look at each other. No, we come together. We meet together. There's something in you. You want to go hang out together. I could go out and go riding in the woods by myself, but it's not any fun. If I don't have my friends with me, it, I don't even want to go. Truth. I mean, sometimes I ride back there in the woods behind my house to the creek just to be by myself to talk to the Lord. But I'm not riding. I'm just using my machine to get me out in the woods to be by myself. But like to really go out, I don't want to, I want to have my friends. So that's something in you. I can't explain it, but you just like to have your friends. like to be around your family. Satan doesn't want that, don't you see? He doesn't want you to assemble together. 
He doesn't want you to make connections here and have friends here and hear the Word of God here, lift up your voice here, go to a men's group and find out there's a man there that can help you, a woman's group, and somebody spoke to you, boy, it really just helped a whole lot. He doesn't want you to go to Sunday school and hear somebody teach the Word of God and meet some people and have some new friends that can actually lift you up instead of beating you down. He doesn't want that. He wants there to be a distance. That's why you have to take that scripture serious. Don't forsake the assembling together the body of Christ. It's important to come together as a body of Christ. That's what the church is here for. Actually, you're the church. I'm the church. We as human beings make up the church. This is just a building that the church assembles together to hear the word, to engage in praise and worship, to pray to get a revelation, to learn, to connect, to meet new friends, to encourage one another. Encourage one another. You come here, you bring something with you, and you take something with you as well. Praise the Lord. So church is very important in terms of staying connected to God. Every, every part is important. Every part is important. In fact, the Scripture tells us about um, the body of Christ and that you and I will make up the body of Christ and you can say, well, I'm just a hand. I'm not that big of a deal. You're a big deal. Have you ever broke your arm and you had to go around with just one arm? You'd like to have that one back, wouldn't you? Or maybe somebody here has had something amputated or you know somebody that had. In other words, you're not a complete body without all the parts. And the body of Christ needs you. You are a part. You're a hand, you're a foot, you're a knee, you're an elbow. You're something that makes up the body of Christ and it's important to have you. We need you. The church needs you. You need to be a part of the body because just like when I very first started talking right here about when the body segment works independently, you're going to experience stress and pain, fatigue and injury. That's why you don't need to try to work independently and go through things alone. You've got to be connected to the vine. You've got to be connected to the body. Church is important. Church is important. Satan doesn't want you here. He does not want you here. That's why you've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your heart. Listen to me. Have you ever noticed you, you'll go to fussing and fighting with your wife on a Sunday morning? Have you ever noticed how he wants to attack you? Maybe on a Saturday night. Everything's been going good all week. But now he made me mad. She made me mad. We got in the fuss. Now I'm not going to church tomorrow. Guard your heart. It's Satan. He doesn't want you to be here. I woke up. I'm a little tired. I think I just need to sleep late to get me rested up, ready for Monday morning. No, you don't. You need to drag that rear end out of the bed and you need to get on up here because he's going to give you a real rest Amen. and get you strengthened for Monday. Amen. Could go on the list a mile long. Think about it. You come in here. Man, too many people talk to me. Man, people ask me all kinds of questions, where I'm from and all this stuff. I ain't going up there no more. Or... Nobody talked to me. Only one lady. There's like 75 people there, and only one lady talked to me. I ain't going up there no more. Satan doesn't want you to be here. Guard your heart. You got to make your mind up. Ain't nobody keeping me out. I'd be like if you went to the gym and 
Walked in there in his big fat dude on treadmill. Bunch of hypocrites and leave. <laughs> I mean, there's fat people at the gym. And everybody in church is not perfect. Sometimes I might talk to you other days I won't. Today's probably one of the days I won't. I don't feel like talking to you. You want to get down to it? Well, I'm just being transparent. One thing I like to be is honest. And I'm, you ask my friends, I'm no different standing up here than I am at work or anywhere else. It don't mean I don't love you and care about you. Just the uh, only talking I'm going to do to, to, today is right now, and then we're done. I ain't been out of the bed in two days until this morning. Y'all thought I stayed back there because I was a TV preacher and I just wanted to come out. <laughs> but no, that's not it. I just have respect for you guys. I'm not going to come over here and get up in your space. That's it. If you want to shake my hand after church, that'll be on you. <laughs> but it's because I love you and care about you and I respect you. So uh, I just kept my distance. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. But I didn't let Satan keep me from coming this morning. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you to hear the word. He doesn't want you to engage in praise and worship. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to learn how to pray. He doesn't want you to be have any friends here. You got to make your mind up. I'm going to get connected. I've been disconnected long enough and I'm going to apply these things. No different than we came home from the camp. We've got, to, we've got to get connected. Praise the Lord. So during this time of getting connected, you have to think about, as a picture, doing things incorrectly for a length of time. Years. Just a little something. Or maybe it's a big something. But you've been doing it. And it's been working for you. You've been getting by but you've created a habit, and that's just what you do. You don't even realize it, but you just do it because you've done it over and over and over and over and over again. Now, you're in church. Or let's go back to the pitching. Now, I'm doing these drills, and I'm practicing, and I'm practicing, and I'm practicing, but now I'm on the mound, and it is go time. It's game time. And these things I've been practicing still don't feel comfortable to me because I'm not doing it the way I used to do it. It feels very uncomfortable and I'm having to constantly think, don't do that with your leg, don't do that with your back, don't do that with your shoulders. You, you're, you, and then next thing you know, you're in the heat of the battle and it is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. You're in a battle every day whether you realize it or not and you're on the mound and now I'm in a battle with this batter, this other team, and you go back to doing it the old way. And so I asked the coach, I said, how's that work? He said, well, they're going to go back to doing it the old way. They are. But you just got to keep training. You just got to keep with it. You just got to keep doing the connection drills and all those things. And it's a process. It's a process where eventually he's not going to go back to the old habits. not going to go back to the old way. But this new way is going to be the new habit. In other words, it's going to be second nature. It's a process. Don't expect just to do the drills, go to the mound, and do everything perfect. But he will go back to these bad habits from time to time. He's going to go back. 
And I thought about how true is that with us? We come to church. We're here on Sunday morning. Everything's great. Praise and worship. Whatever it is, whatever your experience is like, you leave here with a new attitude, with a revelation, and I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm going to be the man I was called to be. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to throw that away, and I'm going to clean out my computer, and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to live for the Lord. And then you get on the mound, and it's game time. Something happens in your life. She says something you don't like. He does something you don't agree with. Somebody at work ticks you off. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. The doctor says this, list a mile on, and then next thing you know, you go back. You go back to doing it the way you were doing it. That's how Satan works. You go back. But what do you do if you go back? Just quit and forget it and say, nah, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not even going to church. No. If you're sinning, 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 guess what? Keep coming to church. Keep coming to church. Keep training. you got to keep training. If you think you're going to get it right and then come up in here, you'll never get it right. Even while you're just living right in the middle of the sin and right while you're doing the drugs and right while you're cussing the blue streak every day, whatever it is, I don't care. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. And you got to remind yourself of who you are. You're trying to quit smoking, get the cigarette out, light it up, and say, I am the righteousness of God. By the blood of Jesus, smoke it. You got to remind yourself who you are. I'm the righteousness of God. If you're looking at trash on the computer and you pull it up, you should say, I'm the righteousness of God. Now, if you're saying to yourself that you're the righteousness of God while you're looking at trash on the computer, that's going to take the fun out of it. It's not going to make the cigarette taste quite as good. I'm not encouraging you to look at things on the computer nor smoke a cigarette. You're already doing it. I'm just saying, while you're doing it, add this. I'm the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so I could be free to sit here and look at this trash and put it in my heart if I want to. <laughs> Whatever. I'm saying add that to it. You're going to fall. I know you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. We're human beings, and that's what the Word of God tells us. That's why Jesus came, is because we can't get it right. Amen? But what do you do when you fall? You keep training. Proverbs, the 24th chapter, the 16th verse says, For the righteous man may fall seven times. Guess what? He's going to rise again. Keep training. Did you sin? Keep training. Did you sin? Keep praying. Did you sin? Keep singing. Keep lifting your hands. Keep coming to church. Keep coming to the coming grounds. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Stay with it. And you know what's going to happen? It's a process. Some people get it quicker than others. But regardless, if you'll stay with it, you're going to be on the mound. You're not going to do it the old way. When the counts, when it's a full count, the bases are loaded, you're not going to go back. You're going to do it the right way. You're going to do it, you've, been, you've retrained, your mind's been renewed, you're a new man, I'm a new woman, I'm not going back to the old way. I'm on, I own this mound. This mound's mine. I've been knocked down, I get back up. Seven times a righteous man falls and he gets back up. Keep training. And some of you in here have fallen. I know, hey. I can't tell you how many times in my lifetime when I was younger, the sermon would 
impact me in such a mighty way that I would come up here in tears. I would talk to the Lord and I would tell Him, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. I'm done living for red. I'm living for you. I'm done. And I'd leave out of here in my mind and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got this checklist I've got to do and then halfway through the week or maybe the next week I'd slip up and sin. I'd go back to doing it the old way and I'd beat myself up. I'd just quit. I would just quit. I wouldn't read the Bible. I wouldn't pray. I wouldn't do anything because I sinned. And so in my mind I thought I've messed up. I tried, it didn't work, I failed, I'm a loser, I'm a bigger loser now than I was even before. Totally wrong, that's what Satan wants you to think. I would think, I'm not going to church, because if I go to church, I'm a hypocrite. I just sinned. No, this is the hospital for the sinners. Keep coming to the doctor. Take all your medicine. Praise the Lord. And I'll end with this right here. And I kind of really just covered it, honestly. But in this book, it was a recovery audit. And this recovery audit kind of gauged where you are in your process of being going from disconnected to connected. And what it says was after you pitched the game, are you zero? It's like I never pitched the game. Are you a two? I'm a little sore. And maybe need a little rest. I'm a, I'm a four. I'm pretty sore. And I need this out of the other. I should have wrote it down. I'm a six. I'm an eight. And I'm a ten. Ten was I can't throw a baseball at all because I'm hurting. I've got pain. I can't throw a baseball for like two weeks or I might need to go see a doctor. It went from zero to ten. But the zero was it's as if I never threw a pitch. I'm good to pitch the next day because everything's fluid. I'm connected. There's no pain. There's no soreness. There's no fatigue. There's no swelling. There's none of these things. My recovery audit was a zero. But you know what? When I'm talking about falling seven times, when I'm talking about getting into sin... It's a process. It's a process. And when, when, when the bad news comes, when somebody gets up in your face, when somebody blasts you on Facebook, what's it do to you? Are you a 10? Did you fall? Because you got over into some, some serious sin because you blasted them back, said some terrible things, thought about killing them. Are you an 8? Are you a 6? Are you a 4? Are you a two? Did it bother you a little bit, but then you remember what the Word of God said? Are you a zero? Didn't bother you at all. Because you're like, I'm not bothered by them. That's the blind leading the blind. And they're going to end up in a ditch. I'm not blind. The veil was torn and I see pretty clearly. I'm just going to stand on the Word. I'm just going to stay connected to the vine. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, most of half the things I said today weren't in my notes either, but <laughs> that was extra good. The things that make you fly off the handle or the things that get you over into sin or the things that get you to fall, what you're going to notice in the process of time, 
of staying in the Word and staying here at church and staying connected to the vine and reading the Word and praying and singing all that, you're going to get down to the zero where I'm ready to pitch again tomorrow. I'm connected. Everything's fluid. I'm not disconnected. I'm connected. Don't it make you mad what they said? No, it don't make me mad. You should be in un unforgiveness. No, I'm good. Aren't you scared? Everybody else is getting fired. You may get fired next. Don't bother me none. I'm not looking at this company to provide for me. I'm looking to God. He provides all my needs. I'm a tither. The Word of God says to test me to bring your whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and see if I won't pour out blessings you can't contain. And I'm a tither, so I'm living under an open heaven and He's just going to pour it out. And whether my company goes under or fires me or not has nothing to do with this right here. He's just using them as a means to provide for me. But guess what? He can use another company. list goes on. But in the recovery audit, the, 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 the idea was to stay with it. Stay with the process. Stay with the program. Keep training. Stay with it until you get to the zero. He said, that's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. I can't tell you how many times people have looked at me and said, aren't you mad? Nah. Don't you want to strangle them? Thought crossed my mind. <laughs> but I remembered, eh, God's got this. Y'all get anything out of this today? You don't have to understand baseball to understand the fact that we need to be connected. And... When I came back from Texas, I, I told you all that Sunday, or that next Sunday, I said, I learned a lot, and it's a sermon. And I had planned on getting me a baseball jersey and looking like a baseball player. But um, I didn't feel like looking for a jersey this week. I mean, I didn't even shave. I didn't feel like that either. Just being honest with you. So you didn't get a baseball jersey. But... I don't know why that I preached that sermon this week, but I trust the Lord, and I trust that somebody here needed to hear that exact message at this exact time. Because somebody feels disconnected. But you don't want to be. And, and, and you want to be connected. And I want you to be connected. Don't let sin keep you away. And don't let the opinions of men and what somebody said about you and don't let an offense or the fact that you don't think I preached long enough or I preached too long or not good enough or they didn't sing the right songs or, you know, somebody's got a funny haircut or that preacher should have shaved or wears a suit and tie or whatever it is. Don't, don't, don't let that keep you away. Satan doesn't want you connected. He doesn't want you connected. He'll use any means possible to keep you disconnected. Fact. Fact. It's got to make your mind up every day. Paul said it. He said, I've got to die daily. I've got to make a choice daily to carry this cross. And the things I don't want to do, unfortunately, sometimes, I do them.
And the things I really want to do, I don't always do them. But I just keep bouncing back. I just stay the course. And that's what we've got to do, church. Amen? Amen. One amen. Praise the Lord. I only need two to agree. Anybody else? Okay. Good deal. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We stand on your word. We believe your word. We thank you just for the opportunity to be connected to you, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, and to be connected to the vine so that we can bear fruit. We can be the men you've called us to be, the women that you've called us to be, to excel in life. And, and we're not um, just barely getting by. But we're living a life in abundance. And that's what you came to do, is to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And we just thank you. We're not, we're not, uh, we are thriving this morning. Not just surviving, but we're, th we're thriving. And that's because we're connected to the vine. We're connected to you. And Father, we just thank you that when we do make mistakes, that your grace is more than enough. And that where sin abounds, that your grace much more abounds. We thank you that that veil was torn and there's nothing that's separating us from the throne room. There's nothing separating us from the love of God, from connecting with you. And Father, we just thank you for it. We praise your name. We lift our hands, we lift our voices, we lift our praise. We fill our hearts with the word, with the truth. We don't fill it with the world and with lies, but with the truth of God's word. That's what we fill our hearts with. We speak the truth. We speak the word. Thank you, Jesus, that we're leaving out of here today better then we came in, and we give you all the glory and all the honor for it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. And one more thing before I close. I told you all July the 2nd was my birthday, and uh, July the 8th was my 26th anniversary. And um, so your pastor and his wife have been married for 26 years, we have four kids. The only time I slept on the couch is when I was snoring. <laughs> I've never been in the doghouse, but uh, just letting you know. And, uh, and by letting you know that, I should give you some uh, encouragement that all things are possible. <laughs> Amen. All things are possible. Y'all have a good day. <laughs>